0: welcome to the spoken word ministry this is joe alexis from the spoken word and with us i have our brother john harris from Mana for thought john can you say hello
1: what's going on guys god bless you in the name of jesus christ
0: amen so john how was your week
1: my week was long
0: (laughs) I, i definitely understand that
1: long and trying um but god is good
0: amen and my week was uh it was interesting it was very long a lot of headaches but it's definitely improving and having a day of rest related really wonders.
1: Amen. That's what the Sabbath is about.
0: Amen. So with that, today we're going to actually be discussing the book of Isaiah. We're actually going to go through the defeat of the Assyrians. Uh, for those of you who have been following, this is actually uh, February, chapter, well, February 6th through the 12th. Mm-hmm. Lesson number seven of the Sabbath school. We're going through the defeat of the Assyrians. So, John, would you just go right ahead and just read the memory text for this week?
1: The memory text for this week is, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Isaiah chapter 37, verse 16. Okay,
0: It says, a gaunt man walks barefoot with his two sons. Another family has loaded all their belongings onto an ox cart, pulled by a massive aided oxen a man leads the oxen while two women sit on the cart less fortunate people have no cart so they carry their possessions on their shoulders soldiers are everywhere a battering ram smashes into the city gate archers on top of the ram shoot at defenders on the walls hectic carnage reigns supreme fast forward a king sits grandly on his throne receiving booty and captives some captives approach him with, it, with hands, upraised, pleading for mercy. Others kneel or crouch. Descriptions of these scenes with the king begin with these words. Sena cherub, king of the world, king of Assyria, and continue with such expressions as sat in a Nemedu throne. And the booty of the city, Lashish, pass in review before him. John Malcolm Russell, The Writing on the Wall, Winona Lake, Indiana. Heisenbron's, 1999, page 137 and 138. This series of pictures, which once adorned the walls of Sennacherib's palace without a rival, are now in the British Museum, and what a story they have to tell about the plight of God's professed people. Now, my first question would be, what happened to Judah. Judah, the city literally of God. Uh-huh. Because Jesus is even called the line of the tribe of Judah. So what happened to Judah? Let's go into Second Kings chapter 18 and verse 13. So again, Second Kings chapter 18 and verse 13.
1: Alright,
0: amen. Okay. Can you read that, down?
1: All right. So it says, "In the fourth, now in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them."
0: Ooh. So Judah was overtaken.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter thirty-two and verse one. And while I'm doing that, can you pull up Isaiah thirty-six, one? Sure thing. Okay. So Second Chronicles chapter thirty-two and verse one says, "After these things." And the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. Isaiah?
1: All right. And it says, now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the defense cities of Judah and took them.
0: Okay. So here we have Assyria overtaking Judah. Yes. Now... God's people for, for a very long time, they were really good at either persevering and they're conquering or mm-hmm. being conquered. And there wasn't really a middle ground with that.
1: No, there wasn't. There was. Yeah. They, were on, uh, they were between two extremes. Either they were with God or they were wholly against God.
0: And unfortunately, because they were either with God or against God then God's blessings were either with them or, or fortunately not with them. Uh-huh. And if, and this is the thing, right? Um, usually when people think about God being with you or being not with you or being against you, they think that God is actively going against you. No, 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 no. Yep. All he's doing is he's just taking away his protection that he normally gives you. Yep. And when God takes away his protection, guess what? The devil's got fair grounds to play with. Mm-hmm. And if he's got fair grounds to play with, now he can play with you. Yeah. God forbid you're on the wrong side of that. Now, when faithless Ahaz died, and his faithful son Hezekiah succeeded him, Hezekiah inherited a kingdom that had lost full independence. Having purchased Assyrian aid against the alliance of Syria and northern Israel, Judah was forced to continue paying protection money in the form of tribute to Assyria. When the Assyrian king Sargon II died on a distant battlefield and was succeeded by Sennacherib in 705 B.C., Assyria appeared vulnerable. Evidence from Assyrian and Biblical texts reveals that Hezekiah seized this opportunity to rebel, taking aggressive action as the ringleader of an anti-Assyrian revolt among the small nations in his region. Unfortunately for him, Hezekiah had underestimated the resilience of Assyria's might. In 701 B.C., when Sennacherib had subdued other parts of his empire, he lashed out against Syri- Syria, Palestine with devastating force and ravaged Judah. Mm-hmm. Now Judah now is being conquered. Now how did Hezekiah prepare for a confrontation with Assyria? Do you know how he did it?
1: Well first and foremost, when we actually look at um when we look at the verse that's being mentioned in Second Kings chapter eighteen, verse seven, it says this. Alright, it says, And the Lord was with him and he prospered whithersoever he went forth and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. So um the Lord was actually with Hezekiah and he blessed him greatly. Yes he did. Um, but it says, so we're looking at how did Hezekiah prepare for the confrontation with Assyria. So a big part of it was being consecrated to the Lord, yeah. right? But um, let's go ahead and look at Second Chronicles chapter 32, verses 1 through 8 really quickly. Yes.
0: And it says, After these things, and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib king of Assyria came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities, and thought to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib cherub was come, and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem. He took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains, which were without the city, and they did help him. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? Also he strengthened himself and built up all the wall that was broken And raised it up to the towers and another wall without, and repaired Melo in the city of David, and made darts and shields in abundance. And he set captains of war over the people, and gathered them together in the street of the gate of the city, and spake comfortably to them, saying, Be strong and courageous, be not afraid nor dismayed, for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Amen.
1: So we see that Hezekiah here, he um, not only puts his trust in the Lord, but he also... Puts forth that faith by rebuilding uh the towers that were broken and the and and actually building an entirely new wall, right to uh defend the city, as well. So we not only see a spiritual preparation but a physical preparation as well.
0: And then he encourages his people, and literally, it's like imagine imagine the president of the United States, if we if everybody like liked him and everybody was like you know what this guy's for us, mm-hmm. and imagine if he goes and he says be strong and courageous mm-hmm. be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of assyria let's put the king of anybody else mm-hmm. any enemy any anybody whatever it is right don't be afraid of them because yes they might have force yes they might have the arms mm-hmm. but we have the lord we're going to win yep. why cuz god is with us and if god is with us who can stand exactly. against us exactly he's literally just he's like it's like him boasting in the lord yeah which is amazing because mm-hmm. when you see people like this in Scripture and they're boasting in the Lord, the Lord is so good. He actually honors them. Amen. And when He honors them, He gives them the fight. He gives them the battle. He gives them the victory mm-hmm. because Jesus already won them.
1: Yeah. And they're not, they're not only acknowledging, well, what they're, and what they're, in doing this, they're acknowledging that the battle's not theirs, but it's the Lord's. So we're just playing our part in the Lord's battle.
0: So you mean to tell me that in our daily walk with God, every temptation, every trial, everything that we go through, the battle already belongs to God, and he's the one that actually takes control? Yeah. All we have to do is just go, God, hey, this is your fight. Take it. Take mm-hmm. control.
1: And we just have to have confidence in the Lord.
0: Amen. Now, um, when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib intended to take Jerusalem, the capital city, he made extensive preparations for a confrontation with Assyria. He strengthened his fortifications, further equipped and organized his army, increase the security of jerusalem's water supply so this is what we just spoke about yes it makes sense he took that physical you know preparation the remarkable the remarkable Siloam water tunnel commemorated by an inscription telling how it was constructed almost certainly dates to hezekiah's preparation for a potential siege just as important as military and organizational leadership hezekiah provided spiritual leadership as he sought to boost the morale of his people at this threatening time. But the king of Judah had determined to do his part in preparing to resist the enemy. And having accomplished all that human ingenuity and energy could do, he had assembled his forces and had extorted them to be of good courage. Amen. Amen. And that's found in the book Prophets and Kings, page 351. Now, I have a question for you, right? If Hezekiah trusted in the Lord so much, why would he actually... Do something right. Why would he put forth so much effort on his own? Now did his works negate his faith?
1: No, actually, it's the complete opposite. His works testified of, of
0: his faith. faith. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Because if um we said that we trusted in the Lord, but we did we did nothing to prove that we trusted in the Lord. Then how could we say that exactly? We truly
0: trust in the Lord. It's okay. like I believe it's going to rain today. I'm not going to take an umbrella with me. What mm-hmm. if you don't believe it's going to rain? Then don't take the umbrella. But if you believe it is, then take the umbrella with you. You taking the umbrella isn't a sign of you having no faith that it's going to. It's actually a. It's actually a proving that your faith is actually working.
1: Exactly, and that's um exactly what James is talking about in James chapter two verse. Uh... Um, what is it? I was just looking at it. Uh, verse, um, verse 18. There we go. Uh, James chapter two, verse 18 says, "Yea, A man may say thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Mm. Right.
0: Yeah. And actually just a little bit earlier, it actually talks about how if you, you know, if you see someone they're hungry and you don't give them something to eat. And you just tell them, be of good cheer. Don't worry. It's going to be good. It's going to be okay. That's that's just, where's, where's your faith? Mm-hmm. Your faith produces something. Faith is supposed to be, faith is actually a fruit of the spirit. Yes, it is. And if faith produces, it should produce some goodness, some mm-hmm. good work. Like if I see a homeless man on the street, I got a whole you know pie of pizza, freshly made, nice and hot and ready and just steaming good. And he asked me for food, and I go, No, 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 the Lord bless you. He's going to give you food. And I just take my food and I keep on walking. What? Mm-hmm. And if I go, You know what, man? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to really pray for you. Oh, c- can I have something to eat, please? Something to drink? And I just eat my slice of pizza right in front of him. And I said, And I go, That is so hot. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Oh, no, 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 this isn't for you, man. This is my blessing. God is going to
1: bless you with food, though. God's
0: going to bless you. He's going to give you some water. He's going to give you something. Like, what? That's not
1: how it works. And that's why verse 20 goes on to say, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead?
0: Exactly. Right? Now, now the rulers of Assyria were not only brutal, but they were also intelligent. Now, we have to think about this, right? Guys, when we're talking about, like, you know, these, you know, we're talking about the Bible, we're talking about these stories, you know, this is actual history. And these people were not stupid. Mm-hmm. we have to understand that like the king of assyria i'm pretty sure he was a well knowledge man of course but um but the rulers of assyria were not only brutal but they were also intelligent their goal was wealth and power not simply destruction why use resources to take a city by force if you can persuade its inhabitants to surrender now this is actually really interesting right because what was done um back in the day was you know i'm not going to go and and have my people die. Mm-hmm. Let's seize the city. Let's make it so that they can't get any resources. Yep. They're gonna have to surrender. And if they surrender, well then mm-hmm. hey, we take over the city and we didn't have to we didn't lose anybody. Exactly. That's just smart. That's that's just honestly, that's pretty smart. Now so while he was engaged in the siege of Laishish, Senator sent Rabshakeh, a high a kind of high officer, to take Jerusalem by propaganda. So, that's a fun word. Now, what arguments did Rabshakeh use to intimidate Judah? Let's actually read those. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 36, verses 2 to 20. And John, can you actually go ahead and read that? All
1: right, you said Isaiah... Isaiah chapter 36. 36 2 to 20, right? Yes, All 2 right. To 20. So it says, And the king of Assyria sent Rabshakeh from uh, Lashash... To Jerusalem unto King Hezekiah with a great army, and he stood by the conduit of the upper pool, and the highway of the Fuller's field. All right. Then came forth unto him uh, Elam, Elam uh, Eliakim. There you go. And Hilki- uh, hilkiah's son, which was over the house, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah Asaph's son, the recorder. And Rabshakeh said unto, unto them, Say ye now to Hezekiah, Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? I say, Sayest thou, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for war. Now, on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Lo, thou trustest and trustest in the staff of this broken reed. On Egypt, whereon, if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all that trust in him. But if thou say to me, "We trust in the Lord our God," it is not he, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away, and said unto Judah and to Jerusalem, "Ye shall worship him, uh, worship before this altar." Now, therefore, give pledges, I pray thee. To my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give thee two thousand horses. If thou be able, if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them, then how then wilt thou turn away the face of the one captain of the least of my master's servants, and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? And now, and am I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said unto me, Go up against this land and destroy it. Then said Eliakim and Shebna and Joah unto Rabshakeh, Speak, I pray thee, unto thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it, and speak not to us in the Jews' language, in the ears of the people that are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said, Hath my master sent me to my master and to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men? that sit upon the wall, that they might eat their own dung and drink their own piss with you? Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and said, Hear ye the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and eat ye every one of his vine, and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to the land, you like, uh, land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad? Where are the gods of And (laughs) And have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of these lands that have delivered their land out of my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem? Out of my hand.
0: Okay, now that was a lot. So, the layman's term version is, he's saying, King Hezekiah promised you these things. Mm-hmm. But we promise you even better things, and we will never be overtaken.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's essentially boasting, like, no, 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 King Hezekiah, don't don't let him deceive you, telling you that the Lord is going to deliver you. Mm-hmm. And he's, and he's furthering, just going against it. He's saying that, I have a land that's better. Everybody's going to be able to drink from their own, mm-hmm. you know, eat from their own vine, drink from it. They'll be able to drink water from their own cisterns. So essentially, don't trust him. Mm-hmm. We have prosperity, and we're going to give you all the prosperity that we have. All you have to do is surrender. That's it. Doesn't that sound familiar?
1: Yes. Fine. All you have
0: to do is bow down.
1: And that's, and that's exactly what they're looking for. Just, Rabshakeh just saying, look, just bow down to my master, right? And what made it worse was when you start reading towards the end, right? And this is pretty much the same thing we see in 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 through 35, and 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 9 through um, 19, right? What he's insinuating is that God isn't going to deliver them, but God had already given the Israelites into the hand of the Assyrian king. And further pretty much blasphemes God in the sense that he was like your God's not going to be able to deliver you because even the gods of the other nations weren't able to deliver them so what makes you think that the Lord is going to deliver you from our hands
0: Ooh. now I, I just want to know here let's just think about this right at the end of time when people are you know actually correction now when people are mercy. oh yeah mercy <laughs> when people now are brought into a point where Well, if you don't accept the mark of the beast, then um, sorry, but you're not going to be able to buy. You're not going to be able to sell. Mm -hmm. If you want to prosper, we'll give you everything. We'll give you food. We'll give you finances. We'll give you everything you would ever want. All you have to do is just accept that mark. And no. No, your, your God, no. Your God said he's coming back in the clouds. But look, it's been so many years and he hasn't come back. Mm-hmm. You guys are insane. Why are you guys believing in this fairy tale that he's going to come back in the clouds? Jesus isn't coming back. He's never coming back. That's the entire idea. That's the entire message I'm getting from that. Mm-hmm. that and you're seeing that same propaganda, the same style, yep. the same lies.
1: And and the sad part about it is there is some truth behind it. But that's what, that's how the devil works. He true. gives you a little bit of truth and then the rest is a lie, right? Because it's true you know, Assyria had de- defeated all of those other nations, yep. right? But now, the one thing that was a lie was the fact that God hadn't delivered the Israelites into the king, the hand of the king, uh, the king of Assyria, yep. right? Because he had already told, you know, this is why Hezekiah was making all those uh, um, preparations, right? Because he had faith that God was going to deliver the Assyrians into the hands of Israel.
0: But now I'm thinking about this. Or Judah, right? I should say. Yeah, what about what about this though? So the people who are looking and they're hearing the propaganda going oh well, King Hezekiah he's doing all these actions, he's doing all these things and then he's saying that the Lord's going to deliver us. Hezekiah, are you sure that the Lord's going to deliver us? You're, you're making all these preparations, you're doing all these things but that seems kind of weird because if you, and then I can imagine People and onlookers and people that are just, you know, that don't understand that faith produces works going, well, if you really believe that God's going to do that, why don't you stop doing all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Because you really believe that he's going to save you. And just think about it now, right? Why why keep the Sabbath? Why keep the commandments of God? If you really believe he's going to save you, mm-hmm. you don't have to do anything to be saved.
1: Yep. But see, and this is why I love... um the the verse that they had the two verses they had mentioned on um, back on Sunday uh Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 which tell us wherefore my beloved as ye have always obeyed not as in my presence only right but now much more in my absence Ooh. right work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure amen right so it's not just when we physically have evidence that the Lord is, is with us, but when we don't have that upfront evidence that the Lord is with us. We
0: continue to work anyways. Mm-hmm.
1: And, that's, and isn't, it that, isn't that not what Noah did, yes, did when he was building the ark? And didn't they accuse him of the same thing? Yes, did. Things are going to go on just as they did normally. They mocked and ridiculed, right? Um, they slandered Noah in building the ark.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, right, these people were shaken, but not forsaken. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Tuesday. Now, how did the clever oratory of Rabshakeh affect Hezekiah and his officials? Let's let's talk about that. Let's go to 2 Kings, chapter 18, starting at verse 37. It says, Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph the recorder that to Hezekiah with their clothes rent and told him the words of Rabshakeh. And it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. Now, renting your clothes, for those of you who don't know, that means he ripped them off. Mm-hmm. So he butt naked. Mm-hmm. And covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and Shedna, the scribe, and the elders, the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And and they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke, and blasphemy, for the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. It may be the Lord thy God. Will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, hath sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnants that are left. Mm. So, we're seeing something interesting, right? And what is it that we're seeing here? We're seeing that Hezekiah is ordering his servants to go. And talk to the prophet Isaiah. Now shaken to the core and mourning in distress, Hezekiah turned to God. Amen. Humbly seeking the intercession of Isaiah, the very prophet whose counsel his father had ignored. Now I want you guys to notice something, right? Isaiah, the prophet. That's where Hezekiah turns to. Mm-hmm. That would be like today. That's going, well, you know what? We see everything that's going on. Let's go to the spirit of prophecy.
1: Amen. What
0: does it have to say right now? <laughs> mm-hmm. What does it have to say about what we're going through? What does last day events say about what we're going through right now? What does, what does prophets engage? What is the great controversy? Amen. What do these books have to say about what we're going through right now? Let's, let's go back to the prophet. Let's go back to God. Let's go back to the, to the roots of our relationship. And let's look at what's going on through heaven's eyes.
1: Man, and and I love this right because when we have when they, you know they, uh, the servants when they had came to uh, Hezekiah they they rent their clothes and they were going there basically terror stricken because they're like man if what he says is true then what are we gonna do right but see then you have the complete opposite with Hezekiah right when he rents his clothes what is that's an act that's an outward expression of humiliation.
0: Yes, it is. Right, he was
1: humbling himself and going to the Lord, and that's what we're that's what we're called to do in our times of trouble, in our times of need. We're to humble ourselves and present ourselves before the Lord, right, and lift up our petitions to Him.
0: And then say, God, look, this mm-hmm. is your battle. What do you want us to do?
1: Exactly, so that
0: you may win the fight. And
1: this is exactly why we see that He goes to Isaiah,
0: yes, right, and God's it, prophet in the time. Exactly, and the thing is, by us saying, God, this is your battle. This is your fight. What would you have us to do? Mm -hmm. We're admitting, Lord, we are not in control, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, there is no way we can win this by our own strength and by our own glory. Mm -hmm. And then by doing that, we're also acknowledging, number three, that if God says he's going to give you victory. He's going to
1: give you the victory.
0: He's the one who's in charge.
1: Regardless of what you feel like at the time.
0: Yep. Just because I feel like this doesn't mean that God Mm -hmm. is going to... Allow that thing to happen. Or try this one, right? Just because I feel as if I'm about to fall into temptation doesn't mean that I will fall into temptation. See, the devil is a liar. and He likes to take your feelings and play with them. Yes, he does. But God likes to go, no, 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 no. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is written, I am the Lord thy God and him only shall bless you. Amen. See, the thing is that God takes that battle and then he fights it with a thus saith the Lord. Amen. The, the devil back and then says, no, 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 this is my territory. This is my victory. Why? Because that is my son. That is my child. And because that is my child, I will fight and I will win. Amen. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 37 and verse 5 down to verse 7. And Isaiah said unto them, thus shall ye say unto your master. Thus saith the Lord. Be not afraid of the words that thou hast heard, wherewith the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Mm. Amen. So now the message was brief, but it was enough. God was on the side of his people. Why was God on the side of His people, though? Who was He honoring? The king, the king, Hezekiah.
1: He was honoring. Yes, He was.
0: Hezekiah had faith.
1: He had faith, and as the king
0: goes, so was the country.
1: Right, and and um, that's what we we ended up seeing, right? Um, where was it? Um, the word remnant was mentioned. Um, oh,
0: that might have been in um in the second kings
1: yes that was probably in second kings right but we see that um and that's the whole thing you have god had the entire nation of israel and and judah right at this time um and what ends up happening is they hear the threats of the king of assyria and their hearts basically fail them but even through this, God always has a remnant, right? He always has a remnant group of people that will still stand for him even in the times of trouble. And this is what we, you know, and this in a sense is um, what Hezekiah is representing.
0: Yeah, actually in Isaiah 37, 4, it says, it finishes with, wherefore lift up thy prayer for the remnant that is left.
1: There you go. That's the verse right there. right, For the remnant that is left. It was a small group of people that still had faith, right? Which reminds me of the time when Abraham is pleading with God, right? Mm-hmm. Lot and his family, he knew that Lot and his family and everyone that was with them was in Sodom. Um, well, yeah, Sodom. I was going to say Sodom and Gomorrah, but Sodom uh, specifically. He was like, God, if there be 50 people, right?
0: What about five.
1: Exactly. And then we go all the way down to five. And God was like, I will save for the sake of the five.
0: I think it might have actually been ten, but yeah, it, was,
1: it was ten, because ten, you know, Is it days, proof. Yeah, proof or evidence.
0: Okay, so let's let's uh let's actually go back to, to reading this. It says Isaiah predicted that Sennacherib would hear a rumor that would distract him from his attack on Judah. This was immediately fulfilled. Amen. God spoke and it was fulfilled. Temporarily frustrated, but by no means giving up for long, Sennacherib sent Hezekiah a threatening message. Do not let your God on whom you rely deceive you by promising that Mm. Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Have the gods of the nations delivered them? This time Hezekiah went straight to the temple and spread the message out before the Lord of hosts enthroned above the cherubim. Now, how did Hezekiah's prayer identify what was at stake? In Jerusalem's crisis. And this is where we're going to end today. Let's let's read Isaiah 37, verse 15 down to 20.
1: John, can you read that? All right, and it says, And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel that dwellest between the cherubims, thou art God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Incline thine ear, O Lord, and hear. Open thy eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear all the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent, To reproach the living God, which hath sent, yeah, which hath sent to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their countries and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods. But the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know, what? That thou art the Lord, even thou only.
0: Amen. Amen, amen. So, and a cherub had pointedly attacked Hezekiah's strong defense, his faith, in his God.
1: Mm-hmm. Rather
0: than buckling under, Hezekiah appealed to God to demonstrate who he is, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, are the Lord and, and this is I love this right when God gets attacked, Hezekiah goes, Hey God, you know what, God? Can you show them who you really are? Amen. I I I'm not gonna fight your battle, God. Mm-hmm. He talked bad about you. I'm not gonna fight your battle, God. That's not my place. Mm-hmm. See, and, and actually, um, later, I believe it's in the Psalms it says that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord of hosts, I will repay.
1: Exactly. So he literally
0: goes, God, you know what? Show him who you really are mm-hmm. so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone yeah. exactly. are
1: the Lord. Yep. And and that's the whole thing too because um, it said that he was blaspheming. And, um, it said that, not Hezekiah, but it says the was blaspheming. Mm-hmm. It said that he was blaspheming. And what is blasphemy? When you either claim to be able to forgive or you put yourself in place of God. You and claim that's what, to be God. Well, you claim to be God. And that's exactly what Sennacherib was doing. He was claiming that he was God because he was like, look, I defeated all of these nations and their gods. What is your God going to do?
0: Yeah. And then Hezekiah points out, no, no, no. Those were made of stone. Those are works of men. Those mm-hmm. were idols. They were not real.
1: Exactly. So they weren't gods.
0: They weren't gods. They weren't gods. They weren't, gods. They were, they weren't the true God.
1: Mm-hmm. You are the living God, and that's the difference. All of, those, all of those gods were made out of stone, out of wood, out of precious metals and stuff like that, but we see that our God is a living God.
0: Amen, yes, he is. And, and because our God is a living God, this is where we're going to be ending for today. Our God is truly a living God, and, and that is so powerful. The fact that God has a real relationship with his people today, is mm-hmm. powerful. The fact that he actually takes the time to get to know you, the God of the universe, the one who created everything, the one who owns everything, still wants to have that personal relationship with you.
1: Yes, he does. That is
0: so powerful and so amazing because just think about this, right? Imagine if Bill Gates or, or President Biden or, or President, well, former President Trump or somebody who has, Jeff Bezos, somebody who has power, Goes, you know what? I want to stop everything I'm doing. I want to go to your house so that we can spend some time together. Just imagine if the kings of the world decided, you know what, today we want to visit our friends down in, you know, X, Y, Z city. And we want to go spend some time with them. And, oh, but there's a crisis going, who cares? We're going to spend time with them. This is personal. Mm-hmm. and just think about that right the god of the universe does that for us he loves us so much that he wants to spend that time with us that's why he gives us the seventh day sabbath of creation telling us hey, hey hey hey, i know your lives are busy let me spend some time with you though i want to date with you i want to get to know you i want to show you who i really am yes yes and then when we're stuck in a trouble and we're stuck in a in a trial or a temptation or anything of that sort then we go you know what god We've gotten to know you pretty well, and yes, I, I I I was offended because they offended you, and I want to say something. I want to do something. I want to, but you know what, Lord, show them who you really are. Uh-huh. We trust you. Let your will be done. And that, guys, is what we're going to be meditating on for this week. Let's focus on the fact that God is trying to show us who He really is. Let's take that moment to go. You know what, God please show us who you really are mm-hmm. so that by us beholding you, we may become more like you
1: and show you to the world.
0: Amen. So with that, John, can you lead us out in the final word of prayer?
1: Uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you to thank you for allowing us to be able to come together and study your word, O oh Lord, and that we have the opportunity to learn about your, your providence, O oh Lord. And how even in the midst of a crisis, oh Lord, if we put you first and we humble ourselves and acknowledge the fact that we don't have the strength in ourselves to deliver ourselves, but you do. And that when our enemies blaspheme our God, oh Lord, they're not attacking us, but they're attacking you. We don't have to defend you, oh Lord because you can defend yourself, O Lord. But we thank you for allowing us to be vessels to be used to glorify your name and to reveal you to them to prove that you are not just a God of wood or stone or precious gems or precious metals or whatever the case is that can be burned with fire and turned to ashes, but you are the one true living God, O Lord, who desires a personal relationship with us. We just ask that these words as we go into the new week, O Lord, or continue the week, that you will continue to be with us, keeping our thoughts on you and reminding us even in times of difficulty that you are there with us, O Lord, and you will deliver us. Lord, we just ask that our will wouldn't be done, but solely yours.